Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Vince and Zach, and we are here to talk about the second half of the Sinestro Corps War. Uh, we are going to be discussing Green Lantern Corps issues 16 through 19, and Green Lantern issues 24 and 25. Um, something really weird happens halfway through this event, creatively, we'll get to that in a little while, but let's first start with Green Lantern Corps number 16. This issue is written by Dave Gibbons and is illustrated by Patrick Gleason and Angel Unzueta. Fuck me. Angel Unzueta. I have marbles in my mouth tonight. Um, so in this issue, we, we sort of pick up where we left off in the battle over, uh, literally over Mogo, both you know hovering above him and also trying to basically get to his core and to his core. Do we, do we, do, have we ever gendered Mogo before? their core so let's just stick with their yeah their core um and so we see that ranks which is the sort of sentient uh city planet that is hovering above uh mogo that is a, a sinestro core member it really has a hard on for guy gardner and it keeps talking about how it just wants to beat the shit out of guy gardner um we see uh sodom yat sort of break away from Arisha and go up and take the battle two ranks. Um, we also see some... What I love about this era of Green Lantern Corps is you get great moments from lanterns that we would pretty much never see again after this book ended, like Green Man and Stell, and these just these really interesting lanterns. And I believe it's Green Man's idea, is it not, to basically have Mogo, like, go into sleep mode <laughs> and just protect himself, basically shut himself down and just protect his entire, his core with all of his energy and basically let the other Green Lanterns, um, you know, do, take the battle to the, to the Sinestro core. Um, we see here the, the, the sort of event that happened in Green Lantern 23 with the uh, allowance of lethal force, the first new rule of 10, of which we'll never get all 10 of them, from the Book of Oa. And uh, so we see the Green Lanterns start to be able to fight back a little bit. And then we get to see Sodom Yat do his first of a couple of really big things in these issues and basically take out ranks more or less single-handedly. Um... The issue ends with the Green Lantern Corps being called by Hal Jordan to Earth because that is where the attack is happening. Let's talk about Green Lantern Corps 16. I I think that the Sodom Yat stuff here is done really well. I think that even though he's a relatively new character in terms of new to the book, you know, new new to the status quo of the Green Lanterns, I think these issues, this issue and the next issue specifically. I think do a really good job of introducing his character, introducing the sort of the stakes to his character and giving him a spotlight to shine. What do you guys think of this issue? Yeah, I, I like Sodom. Yeah. It's an interesting one because we talk, we talk all the time about how much we like Sodom yet and how much we wish that he was back. Um, and, and he has come back recently um, for a, a short appearance in a justice league arc. And, um, it was nice to see him again, but, but I always, I always had trouble remembering what it was I liked about him or whatever. <laughs> and, 
because while I'm reading this, I'm thinking like, actually, he he looks and kind of acts like a generic video game character from this era. <laughs> like, uh, he, Sodom Yad is Kyle Katarn. Yes, exactly. Yeah, or he's like um, Commander Shepard or whatever. <laughs> you know, like that's that's who he is. If you if you just look at the surface or whatever. So I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what was it that I really liked about him? For all these issues, so we will talk more in depth, you know, as we go on. But what it really was was his background because they kind of play it up as a little mystery his, his origins or whatever and you do get like an origin story uh in this event um about you know when he was shows him when he was a kid and the way he was raised and everything and i th- i think that that stuff is all really well i think it's all really well done he's a really well-developed character um yeah, and at the same time he's also sort of like a deus ex machina though like he's... oh yeah for sure, but I think like what I think of the development of his character is what rises him above that. Right. You know, that's really funny because rereading this, like, <laughs> I think he is kind of still just a generic video game character, and I really think the reason I, I, the reason I always liked him again was like this was the one of the like first big comics I got into, and here is this character who is like a Green Lantern but he's also Superman and he has Ion. So he's just like the biggest action figure in the toy box. And of course I was immediately drawn to him. (laughs) And um, I know that I liked some of the stuff that comes after this, especially like the way they develop his and Arizia's relationship. You know, he's kind of like the main cat. He's, he's one of the core members of Green Lantern Corps moving forward. Um, And he does get some like, good development and some big moments but um he hmm, there is i i'm realizing that my sodom yat fandom is uh based on fairly superficial ground Um, (laughs) it's very shallow yeah yeah i i kind of feel similarly zach i i feel like it's a um the character just is so associated for me with like the gold, what, what I consider the golden era of Green Lantern. Like uh-huh. to me, to me, the best era of Green Lantern is from Rebirth to sort of like right about here, maybe a little bit longer before Blackest Night, before the Emerald Warriors third monthly comic. Like I think at that point it started to feel like everything was just going a little bit too fast. It there wasn't enough time. To sort of um, like unwind and get to these stories, like I, one of the things we we talked about a little bit last time um, was the idea of feeling like everything leading from this to Blackest Night felt very rushed, and I so I feel like Sodom Yat is just a representative to me of like the really good Green Lantern Corps era and all of that. But when you read this, there isn't a ton yet to feel like to to justify my warm feelings towards him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Any other Green Lantern Corps sixteen thoughts? Um do Do you know the backstory between uh, Guy Gardner and Ranks? I mean, they kind of explain it at some point. 
I, I forget offhand, but I, I looked it up earlier today, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, there was like a story in the 80s or whatever where he like in a battle, he 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 ended up activating some uh, trash dump on ranks. And it basically it, basically it was the equivalent of making ranks shit, shit himself pants, right? in front yeah. of everybody. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that detail, too. See, these are things. These are things that I feel like you only get in Green Lantern stories, like when you look at the the DC landscape. And they're what I miss, even though like Grant Morrison's Green Lantern is 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 wacky. It's plenty wacky. But it's his is so like focused on a core. It's focused on Hal and like a core group of characters and not I, I just I I miss the richness and the depth of <laughs> this goofy world, you know. Yeah, especially because like the Green Lantern Corps comics in the eighties are wacky. They're mm-hmm. super I, wacky. I I actually think the I'm pretty sure Ranks was introduced in this Green Lantern Corps book though. Mm, maybe I could be getting the I could be getting the Oh, is it like a is it a flashback story that didn't really it, wasn't it was really... it was earlier in Gibbons' run. Oh, okay. I okay. So I just have the time period yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, but what I was he, gonna say was like, sorry. Go ahead, Zach. No, no. I was just gonna. He he appears as like a city, and like I think it's the first or second arc of Gibbons's GLC. It's been a really long time since I read it. Um, I, if if you guys haven't read Gibbons's GLC, it's it's wacky. Um, there's this there's an arc where. Um, there's this whole other like black ops part of the core that's never referenced again um, that uses like purple rings. Um, it's it's really weird. And like the rings are inside their bodies. Um, yeah, it, it feels like very um, disconnected from everything that comes after. Um, which is why I think a lot of times people have maybe like not read it. It, it really doesn't factor in um much to like anything that johns and tomasi go on to do Mm -hmm. what i was gonna say though is i feel like those 80s comics feel a lot like gibbon's run on the book which is Uh just that there are all these wacky concepts and some things happen and happen in ways that seem like wait what am i reading will this be important because it's being presented as if as if this is really important and then it never comes back again and so what's nice about that is that it lets writers 25 years later dig up those ideas and bring them back and it feels fresh but to those who have been reading it the whole time it also feels very familiar so so i think actually vince i think you were right i think there was a version of ranks that did appear in the same one shot that uh maybe he was in first mention in that tigers issue okay I'm seeing, I'm seeing like conflicting things that are like his first issue was that Green Lantern Corps annual issue. But I think that might have just been part of that whole like prophecy thing. And then Gibbons brought him back for real in uh in GLC. I don't it's been so long since I've read it, I can't remember. Okay. But the Gibbons story is where he shot himself? I think so. Oh. Okay. Well, oh yeah, because here because the creators are Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Okay. So that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was pretty certain he was from the '80s, but I guess yeah. I don't know. I guess I don't know when that particular story is from. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know either. All right, we're we'll we'll just say we're both right. Sure. No, no, <laughs> you, you we'll let you have it since I since I grilled you so hard before no, the show no. on a on a on a Come useless on. bit of trivia. That didn't happen. We'll just forget that that happened. <laughs> God. <laughs> Right. I'm always, always, always coming at me with shooters. I hate it. No, I'm not. I'm I'm, kill I'm, me. I'm I'm showing my own ass on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to the Sinestro Corps War Chapter Seven, which comes in Green Lantern number twenty-four, written by Jeff Johns, illustrated by Ivan Reyes. This is the issue that the war really sort of kicks into high gear. We see the invasion of uh, the Sinestro Corps coming to Earth. We see how um, Hal, John, and uh, Guy are on Earth, and they are sort of uh, trying to stave off the various invasions. We see Hal go after Kyle to try and get Kyle out of Parallax, and he does that by essentially allowing himself to be absorbed by Parallax, and then inside Parallax, he and Kyle have a heart-to-heart, and they're able to defeat it that way um there's a couple of really nice moments in this issue um but there's also like a lot of time is spent on this painting that uh kyle's mom made that's supposed to like snap him out of being parallax and they like send guy across the country to get this painting and they make a big deal about it in both this book and in Green Lantern Corps, and then the painting is is a non-starter. Nothing actually happens with the painting at all. <laughs> you're you're right. <laughs> um, this this issue is uh the first one um since the Sinestro Corps War special, um where the like the other like parts of the dcu really interact like the jla and the jsa and some of the other characters show up on this and it, it really surprises me that there weren't more tie-in issues uh for this like there wasn't an issue of jsa right. or an issue of jla that tied into this um not that we needed that necessarily right, but right. i'm just surprised that it didn't happen yeah um this issue also has a really weird moment where john stewart quotes langston hughes uh <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> we're not really sure um i, I I'm, gonna, I'm gonna flip to that page here in a second and get the exact quote um but it's a uh it's an it, i feel like jeff johns is not a writer who often quotes literature or quotes um or quotes poetry like Tom King often does that sort of stuff. And so um, Parallax says to John, you will die. And he says, uh, I don't have to do anything right now, but stay black. And we were presupposing that maybe that's referencing the famous Langston Hughes poem that uh, is also uh, sort of a phrase that has been that has been uh, taken outside of that just to stay black and die. And. You know, maybe that's what he's quoting. I think, but isn't that a isn't that an odd thing, especially in a John's comic? It's an odd thing in this comic in general. I think. Um, I don't know. Who am I to say I don't know? 
Yeah. Well, anyway, this issue kind of um, ends. Sorry, go ahead, Zach. No, no, go ahead. I was say this issue sort of ends with Kyle and Hal breaking free of Parallax and then Ganthet and Sade giving the four Earth Lanterns their power batteries, which will now act as sort of a prison for one quarter of of uh, Parallax. And the issue ends with Kyle no longer being Ion, but just being a Green Lantern again. He has a new costume that's sort of like his old costume, but not really. And um, th- this is the moment that's supposed to get you hyped up for them to kick ass in the next issue. Thoughts on this issue? Um, to be on my bullshit for a minute, um, Parallax is basically like Cell uh, from Dragon Ball Z, where he starts absorbing all the androids to, to go to his different forms. And it's uh, always struck me as kind of weird that um, Parallax absorbing two Green Lanterns lets him finally turn yellow. <laughs> um the 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 metaphysics of emotional entities don't don't quite make sense to me but they're so cool they're so dang cool yeah it uh it yeah it doesn't make sense but you're yeah it's but neither does cell so (laughs) no cell makes sense Uh, so does that make does that make Sodom Yad Gohan? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Um, except I don't know where Superboy Prime comes into this analogy. Something, something, uh. Jocko the Galactic Patrolman. Yes, sure. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> the that's the only Toriyama he knows, folks. That that is not a lie. That is correct. It's very unfair to Mr. Toriyama. <laughs> <laughs> oh, get those out now while you can. The, There's not going to be a tomorrow. What are you before, talking about? They, before they come and, and take away all our podcasting equipment for this, um, this seditious uh, this podcast <laughs> that we do. They will pull my Blue Yeti from my cold dead hands. Yeah. <laughs> all right. uh, any other thoughts on this issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really like Reyes's art again I say that every time and this, this isn't even again this isn't peak Reyes uh, but it's good I like it his his art has a certain level of bombast to it that really works on an event like this Vince anything yeah. to say about this issue uh, yeah I really appreciate the, the Ivan Reyes art um, throughout this like my estimation of of his early work just keeps going up you know i think like what he did on blackest night was where i really um you know became familiar with him as like a, as like a top artistic name you know but going back and looking at this early stuff i mean it's it's really good too and uh yeah, yeah it's, like, all, it's all here. It's all here. Yeah, like that that uh the spread of the Sinestro Corps war on the second and third pages of this issue and then uh the spread where the Green Lantern Corps cavalry kind of comes to save guy. Like both of those pages are just incredible. Mhm. 
Yes. Yes, very, very good stuff. All right, we are uh, back into Green Lantern Corps, number 17, written by Dave Gibbons, illustrated by, deep breath here, uh, <laughs> Pascal Alex, Alexe, do we know how to pronounce that? I've always heard Alex, no. but I don't know. Uh, Angel Anzueta, Dustin Wynn, and Patrick Leeson. Lots and lots of art here. So, uh, and, uh, Not the best Dustin Wynn either. No, no, not the best. Not the best of any of these folks, this issue, actually. No. Uh, this issue is feels very scattered artistically yeah uh, this is this is something that dc used to do a lot more they would put like four artists on a title and it was always their like worst work yes <laughs> and, I, and they don't really do that anymore uh thankfully yeah. i i wonder i've always wondered about this issue and i've never read about it or anything but just the fact that out of nowhere they have four artists and then the next issue has a writer change. Like I've I've often wondered if there was some kind of like last minute behind the scenes script changes or shuffling of something, um, sure to get this to happen. Um, if anybody knows, hit us up. I would think that that's correct. Uh, I would think that there must have been some some big change here. But when you're reading the issue, it's kind of hard to figure out. Like what, you know, this isn't like an issue where a character comes close to death. And so you think maybe, you know, Guy Gardner was supposed to die in this issue and they got cold feet about it. So they had to go in and change it. There's no moments like that in the issue where you think, oh, that's clearly where the edit came in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Unless they weren't going to make Sodom Yat Ion because... I don't think Ion plays a real role in the in the Green Lantern issue. I think he basically gets he gets like one mention in that issue, and that's about yeah. it. So I, I wonder if that is is what changed everything here. I wonder if it is, man. What if it? What if it is? Gibbons wanted to kill Yat because that was like how the original like issue that he and. Alan Moore did, and then DC's like, no, we're going to make him Ion, so Gibbons quit, and that's why they got Tomasi. That's interesting. Just spitballing. I don't think that's what it is. I mean, I, I've never met a rumor I don't like, so that's <laughs> that's that's fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm cool Zach, with you should you should start a comics rumor website. Yes, you I should. should. I should. Yes. Oozing uh, let's see, uh, <laughs> oozing dope, which doubles as a reference to you being a pothead. And yes, uh, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Zach keeps his temple clean. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the the big bit in this issue is that Sodom yet becomes Ion, and um, the only other note that I really took for this issue was that I appreciate that at least a couple of lanterns seem uneasy with the idea of lethal force because a lot of these green lanterns like once they get lethal force they're like fucking killing everybody and they just start taking out the sinestro core members left and right and it feels like it feels like a commentary on like if the green lantern core are the police force of space it feels like a commentary on how when when get when somebody has the power to take a life oftentimes they do so 
more easily than you would think they would, right? And so I, I think that that is that is that is something that could be a sort of meta commentary here, but that's also a very like twenty twenty view on this issue. But I like that like Arisha, for instance, did not said like she's not going to kill. Uh, I, I appreciated yeah. that take. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Sodom yet as Ion? Is it worth oh, quitting the a best. book? Is it worth quitting a book over? Which way? <laughs> I thought like, like Dave Gibbons here. It's no, because it 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 owns. It's the best. <laughs> How long was he Ion for? Do you remember? Um, he loses Ion. <sighs> oh fuck! Okay, so he, I know he. <laughs> <laughs> so the anger so, that you just said fuck with over my, so, over this was glorious. So in the Emerald Eclipse storyline, which was the last Green Lantern core storyline before Blackest Night, Sodom Yat sacrifices himself to reignite the son of Daxum. He still has Ion then. After that, at some point, Krona comes and pulls Ion out of him while he's in the sun. When when Krona steals all of the entities in the brightest day arc of Green Lantern. Um, and then Sodom is presumed dead until he shows up again in Emerald Warriors. I That is all off of recollection, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. That's crazy to me that you, you have a beautiful mind. I can't remember what I did this morning. You probably I, tweeted about the Packers. I mean, you probably farmers only about the Packers. Um, no, I no, I haven't. I don't want to talk about them right now. Okay, not for obvious reasons. Uh, did they um, lose this week? I didn't see. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ! He, I didn't he stopped see- watching the game for all of our sakes. I did. I yeah, stopped watching look football. at he can even remember what I said at the time. <laughs> Zach, we need to. We DC needs to hire you as some kind of encyclopedic. <laughs> I read a thousand issues of Detective Comics, and I remember maybe ten of them. To be fair, if I read a thousand issues of Detective Comics, I would probably remember you, ten of them. You'd remember every single one. No. Yes. Encyclopedic. Absolutely. Anyways. Anyways. I, li- um... I like Sodom as I am. I think it's a fun. I I love his arc. I think it's I think it's really well done. Is it a bit generic? Is it a bit like uh, this guy is the Messiah or whatever? <laughs> yes. Yes. But... Which JRPG nonsense. It's great. Right. You love to yeah, see it. Exactly. I yes. think I think it's making loud. him loud, yeah. making him Ion makes him a good character because yeah. of how it affects his arc. Uh huh. It's good. Yep. Yeah, I, I will say that one of the thoughts that I had sort of early on in this run was that they wanted Sodom Yat to replace Kyle Rayner in a lot of ways, and then he became Ion, and I was like, oh, yes, they absolutely want him to replace Kyle Rayner. Um, he just seems like a little bit of a, of a newer take on that character, even though clearly it's an older character. You understand what I'm saying, though, like... Sure. You know, um, and so I, I, I don't necessarily love that part of him. Um, but that, that's, that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I, he doesn't, though. He ends up, he, you know, Kyle still plays a big role in yes. in GLC moving forward, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. So then we get uh, the next issue, at least in the trade, is Green Lantern Corps number 18. And this is the first issue written by Peter Tomasi. Now, as we've mentioned throughout the show, Tomasi is sort of the the name that many people associate with the Green Lantern Corps title in this era. He would write it until its uh, its completion. And did he write it in the New 52 also? I think he did, right? So he did, but there was a... Mi- so after Blackest Night ended, Tomasi left Green Lantern Corps and Tony Bedard wrote it for the rest of the run. Oh, yes. But then when the New 52 happened... Green Lantern Corps, they all relaunched and Bedard was on New Guardians and Tomasi took over GLC again. So there was like a, you know, however like 12 issue stretch or whatever that he wasn't writing it. Interesting. I totally forgot about that. Man, Tony Bedard did not I do... think I think it was Bedard that took over. I may be wrong. I think, I think you're correct about that, but honestly, that's a guy we don't see pop up as much anymore at DC. It seems like for a while he was he was one of those guys that DC would bring in for a fill-in every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I think I think in the New 52, he was almost always writing, like, two books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm really doubting myself. I know Tyler Kirkham did the art for that, though. Yes, yes. Um, man, I haven't thought about him in a long time. <laughs> a long time. So anyway, this issue um, is illustrated by uh, Patrick Gleason and Jamal Eigel, and this issue acts as the sort of the origin of Sodom Yat within a battle between Sodom Yat and Superboy Prime. And I will say that I thought that the Sodom Yat stuff that wasn't happening in current day, all the flashback stuff, is good. It's really good Sodom Yat stuff. All of the stuff that's happening in present day is pretty much really dull. It's just a fight that gets dragged on for way too long, and it foreshadows our favorite issue of Rebirth Superman with the corpse that's, that that uh, Superman drops off on someone's front steps, where Gleason has... Not Gleason, I'm sorry. Tomasi has Gleason draw, like, uh, every corpse in the universe falling on top of these characters. There's a there's a one specific um, panel where Sadimet is like standing up and there's a corpse basically throwing his arm around his neck for no real reason. And this this stuff is just I don't think he writes Superboy Prime very well. I think he writes him uh just kind of even more generically than Johns does. And it's um I don't think that the modern day stuff is in this issue is good at all. I that couldn't is... agree I couldn't agree with you disagree with you more. Oh really? Oh okay. <laughs> okay, interesting. Go off. Uh, well, now, nah, okay, I could, I could, I could agree with you. the 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 flashback stuff is good, like from a character building standpoint. But, and this is again like the nostalgia talking. But I loved this issue. This, I, I think, honestly, like this issue both cemented my love for Sodom Yat and Superboy Prime. Um, again. This is like a chapter of Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah. This is just two two big old strong boys punching each other a whole yeah. bunch, and they're they're flying it's one around. One punch man. 
yeah, it's also One Punch Man. Uh, I yeah, it's yes, it's both of those things. It, it this is a this is a manga. Um, we and, need we need to go back to this time and make we need to make DC uh, comics manga again. I make yes. <laughs> I didn't want to make that sound like a slogan or anything, but but that's what needs to happen is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think, I mean, I think Tomasi's a Superboy prime is just the worst anyway, but he's, that's why we like him. I will always remember the bit where Sodom Yat shoves the like radioactive rod into his mouth and he like chomps it off and is, I don't know what's going on with his teeth there. That, that <laughs> yeah. image is like burned into my brain. Um, so many, so many images from this issue are burned into my brain. Like the 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 first page where they're like punching each other and the bridge is exploding. Um, just the like perspective on that, man. This issue takes me back. They don't make comics like this anymore. <laughs> I mean, they do. They're just not as good. <laughs> So Vince, uh, which which side do you fall on here? Do you do you like the the present day stuff or or no? Ah, uh, some somewhere in the middle, but definitely closer to to Zach's feeling on it. I think some of the stuff is um, some of the stuff is kind of goofy, and I know that that's the point. Like like the drinking of the uranium part. I I read that again, and I'm like, oh god, this is. If this were anybody but Superboy Prime, this would be the most like edgelord <laughs> moment ever. But he, of course, he is the he is King Edgelord of the DCU. So, like, I I guess it makes sense. But like, I st- I still read that and was like, ah, <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> um, but but no, I'm I'm mostly with Zach here. I I love this stuff. I think this is where. This is where I really started to remember why I liked um, Sinestro Core War so much. Um, this fight and everything he's saying about it being a manga is, uh, you know, b- back in the day I would not have known that or caught that. But yeah, it absolutely is like a shonen fight <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's got everything. Um, yeah, it's good, and I love. I oh man, I just love the 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 arc that's that Sodom Yacht goes on. I, I think this, that's such. It's so key to everything. This this part is really good and important because he, you know, he he's a Green Lantern. He gets the Ion power, and he, being a Daxamite, is essentially like Superman. So he's like the most overpowered character from the offset but here like in this kind of like pivotal chapter when he's stabbed with that radioactive rod he gets lead poisoning which like led to daxamite is like krypton kryptonite to kryptonians and so he has to keep his ring on at all times even though he he has ion or he will die um so he has this kind of like crippling weakness that he has to deal with all the time Mm -hmm. um which which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. Like from a from a macro storytelling perspective, I just found I found Tomasi's Superboy Prime to be pretty to be insufferable for different reasons than Superboy Prime is usually insufferable, I suppose. 
it's just so over the top. Um, and yeah, I feel like fighting in a cemetery is is the dumbest thing in the world too. <laughs> yeah, it, again, it's like Edge Lord. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. But... Oh, oh. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will wrap up our discussion of the Green Lantern uh, core slash Green Lantern issues of Sinestro Core War. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with a discussion of Green Lantern number 25, written by Jeff Johns, illustrated by Ivan Reyes, with a couple of pages by your friend and mine, Ethan Van Skyver. So this issue begins in the war. Don't, don't, don't say that. <laughs> uh, this issue begins with, you know, the, this giant battle between the two Lantern Corps, uh, just battling it out on Earth. And we get yet another one of these weird page-turn, double-page spreads. Um, I do not know why they were doing this so much. Because it looks awesome. Sure, I guess. Um, it's, just a weird, it's just a weird decision to make. It, it looks good in the Absolute Edition. <laughs> I'm sure it does. It's very so then, pretty. Then after that, we, we get um, Ganthet and Sade talking to the four Earth Lanterns about essentially the prophecy of the Blackest Night. And then we get this this two-in-a-row double-page spreads. The first one runs through the seven Lantern Corps that we're going to meet over the course of the next year or two in Green Lantern. Um, and it does so in an interesting order. I don't remember if this is the order. I don't think this is the order from the comics that we got it in. Um, but they go green-yellow... And then uh, violet, red, indigo, orange, blue. I don't believe that's the order they're introduced in. Zach, I feel like you're the historian here. You would know. It's it's not. No. So by this point, we had seen, um, we had seen green and yellow and the like beginnings of violet. We hadn't seen any of the others. Um, you get red and blue at like basically the same time. That's what I thought. Yeah. Immediately followed by orange, and then technically like. The Indigos show up in Blackest Night, but we don't get an Indigo-centric arc until the New 52. Um, knock? Knock. Okay. Uh, so that that is the first of the two double-page spreads. And the second one is the one that like melted the brains of comic fans when it came out because we, see, we essentially see the entirety of the Lantern. Like, it's the... It's the War of Light. It is seeing all of these different characters for the first time. Like, uh, I don't know for sure. And the only time. Yes, this this battle never <laughs> happens, by the way. We should, we should point that out now. Um, but, like, 
Uh, is Larflees on this page? He is. He's between John, yes. uh, between Hal and Kyle. Yes, there he but is. But he looks like a construct. He does, yes. And I think, I have a theory, I have this grand theory, <laughs> that there were major rewrites and everything changed. Um, I think there was originally going to be a different character who was the Orange Lantern, not Larflees. I think Larflees was just going to be another one of the cons- constructs Interesting. at one point. But, like, but this is certainly the first appearance of Laura Flees. This is yeah. certainly the first first appearance of Saint Walker, who looks a little bit different here. But uh... yeah, he there's like early versions of him don't have the the head tail yeah. thing. Um, uh, this is certainly the first of, uh, p- appearance of the Indigo Tribe. Um, have we seen Atrocitus before this, or is this, this the first Atrocitus? No, he first appeared in the no. Okay. I was going to say, we got his origin and I think his first appearance was in Secret Origin. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, regardless, this is uh, there, there's, there's a lot of, of first appearances in this. Um, in this just like one double page spread. And do, are you guys at all upset that we never got this war of light absolutely i yeah and i definitely was at the time too i yeah i'm i'm butthurt about it to this day i am (laughs) i i will never forgive and never forget (laughs) um okay so moving on from that uh we essentially we see hal go to his brother's house and to say, you know, everybody get out of Coast City, you, you don't want to be killed. And his brother is like, nah, man, we'll be killed because we love you. <laughs> it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bad writing in this part. Um, but we see the, the Lost Lanterns come to, to Kyle and Hal's side at Coast City. And so they are defending Coast City while everybody else is over in New York fighting the Anti-Monitor and um, Superboy Prime. And this is where we get, in my opinion, the best Sinestro stuff from this whole event, which is Sinestro basically says that due to the lethal force being enacted, he's already won. That lethal force will make people afraid of the Green Lanterns, and that will lead to a more ordered universe. To me, that is the best bit of writing that Johns does in this entire event. Mm-hmm. It's really good. What do you guys think of that part? Yeah, that's that's John's taking this. I think we talked in the last episode, or, or I talked about how a lot of John's Green Lantern run is taking these very basic emotional ideas and you know using them as avatars, obviously, and and bouncing them off of one another. But a lot of times, it's just done in kind of a surface level way, you know. This is one of a handful of it. I mean, he he's done this a handful of times, but this is one of the more effective ones, where he actually uses that idea, that fear entity, in a way that makes really great narrative and thematic sense. I think um, it's it's one of the better instances of that. I think in his entire run, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. this might be his best Sinestro moment. Like overall, yeah, I could, yeah, maybe. 
Yeah, I can't. I, it's been so long since I've read it. I know Sinestro gets some good moments. Sinestro is arguably the main character of John's Green Lantern run. Especially, so much so that he made him the main character at one point. I was going to say, yeah, especially around the, this, the, the launch of the New 52. Yeah. Um, but I love that. Um, then we get... So Guy is infected by this yellow um, like disease, essentially, that killed Kyle's mom and is threatening to kill him. And so they're racing against the clock to, to both defeat... Um, you know the the New York contingent and save Guy, Guy and uh, John come up with a plan for how to defeat the Anti Monitor, and it's essentially to take this like uh, the, take War World and throw it into the Anti Monitor, which is uh, a very comics thing I just said, and um, and it works. And there's another great moment here where Hank Henshaw thanks them for for blowing him up, thinking he will die. Spoiler alert, he does not die. Um, we see Guy, no, I'm sorry, not Guy, Kyle and Hal and Sinestro all run their batteries down to zero. So they just have to have like a legit hand-to-hand combat fight where um, where uh, Hal pulls a David Spade from Tommy Boy and breaks a 2x4 over Sinestro's face. Um, and eventually he puts... He, he he says that like it's not the Green Lanterns aren't without fear they just want to overcome fear duh and he arrests Sinestro over in New York we get uh, guy is cured of his illness because Sora Nikiatu uh, introduces a um, a super intelligent Green Lantern virus into guy's system he makes a nut face and is cured as you do as you do of course and then. Uh, one of the guardians basically chooses to sacrifice himself to destroy um to destroy Superboy Prime. Again, not really destroyable, we'll get to that in a second. But the good guys win here. The four Earth Lanterns are reunited and they are, you know, uh, celebratory at at uh, Hal's brother's house and they fly off into the sunset at the end of the issue. We find out that Superboy Prime was, uh, quote, warped into the multiverse. We've, uh, which we... is which is important <laughs> because we're going to follow up on him. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> and then we see uh, Side and um, Ganthet create the Blue Lantern Corps, essentially, out of their love or hope or whatever. We see Hank Henshaw start to come back together. And then we see, and I had totally forgotten about this last part. We see the Anti-Monitor essentially become the power battery for the Black Lanterns. That That's wild. I totally forgot that mm-hmm. happened in this issue. Mm-hmm. So much of the next two to three years of Green Lantern stories are seeded in this one issue. What do you want to say about it? Yeah. Um, so I, one thing I want to say, I still have very fond feelings about all of this, despite the way things did or didn't turn out um, coming out of this. But our our friend, 
August on Twitter a while back or pretty recently made a tweet essentially espousing the idea that this era of Green Lantern and I guess maybe Green Lantern in general, but especially this era is just Sailor Moon for for <laughs> boys and gun nuts. That's right. And that's 100%. And, and at that time that I was reading it, that's what I wanted, even though I was not a gun nut. I, I was <laughs> I was still like in the, the key demo. And now I think I'd rather just read Sailor Moon. Amen. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, this stuff. So now is the time where we announce the Kodansha cast. Yeah, Kodansha the Kodansha cast. cast. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna read all the Sailor Moon. I still kick myself for not buying that first volume when we were at New York that one I time. Know, when when you and I had our like <laughs> noses pressed up against the glass. Yes. <laughs> oh, memories! Sweet misty watercolor memories. <laughs> of the way we were um so do we have much to say about the epilogue issue of Green Lantern Corps because I have almost nothing to say about it I have nothing to say about it it's really funny because it's only half an issue because the second half kicked off the next arc with Mongol yes. um, but in the trade yeah. they just like cut it off yeah it's fine it's um, nice there's so much here though like gosh like yes like the stuff with the anti-monitor becoming the battery that guardian that he that he burns who becomes scar and did all of those backups the origin and omens do you guys remember that yes not at all <laughs> yo you don't remember origins and omens ah uh, no it's not ringing a bell they were Let these me, like hang on i'll google it yeah google google it no explain it zach i, lo I love okay. these zach history lessons we get so so they they running uh in the run-up to blackest night many books not just like the green lantern ones um across the line got these origin and omens backups which were scar who was this guardian who got corrupted by the anti-monitor and became this uh herald of necron who is like the the leader of the black lanterns and had this book of uh i don't know if it's like the book of necron or whatever essentially like the book of oa oh, uh, parallax whatever and would tell these stories these these little backups that were kind of um teases for things that were going to be coming up in the books and I, th I think sometimes they maybe like didn't even tie into Blackest Night. It was just kind of like a cool little framing device to like tease what was going to be coming up in the books in the next year or so. Um, such a good device. I loved it. Yeah, I, I remember this now. I completely memory hold this one. This one went in the K-hole for sure. <laughs> so So when I was catching up on comics to get prepared for Blackest Night, I had heard about these like scar stories and so i had to buy every issue that had one in it so for a while i had the entire run of these like backups that's funny because i maybe i'm misremembering but i thought they put a lot of them up on dc's website at the time at the time i didn't care i wanted okay. to own it myself <laughs> okay okay um i was young dumb and full of disposable income <laughs> hey you're talking to the guy who bought every issue of flashpoint so yeah 
Yep. Uh, you're talking. To, you're talking to two guys who did that. <laughs> sure. You're talking to three guys who did that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, all of us. Yeah. I, I had the entire run of the brightest day Hawk and Dove series. So <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh wow. Yep. Yep. Who among uh, us? Yes. He who was without a blackest day, a, a full blackest night run, cast the first stone. I do have that. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, no, this this issue is just so good. So much happens. It's so big. Um, the art is fantastic. That that two pages, that or the 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 two double page spreads, even though that they're drawn by EVS, are just so hype. Um, oh my goodness, I love it. Yeah, this this definitely feels like the moment when DC realized what they had with Johns' Green Lantern run, and just everything became about that then for a while. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And but I then... kind of wish they didn't do that. I, I think this story would have been much more effective if it had, if it had gone on longer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I was I was looking through because I knew there wasn't much. There's not a lot between this and Blackest Night. We get uh, kind of a three issue aftermath, which is very good. Then we get a seven issue flashback secret origin for Hal Jordan, yep. which completely unnecessary did not need to happen. Yep. Um, then we get a three issue, technically four, because the final crisis tie in makes it a four issue arc. Uh, for the Red Lanterns, we get a four-issue art for the Orange Lanterns, and then we're at Blackest Night. So, if they could have squeezed another year in there, yeah, it would have been a really nice thing. I I think so too. Yeah. Um, Vince, final thoughts on Sinestro Corbor. Um, I, I, I found myself really liking it, uh, this time through, but not in that same, like, well, I wasn't even a teenager. I, I was in college, I think. <laughs> um, but you know, still, still very young, very like immature mindset for sure. Um, like, like Zach said, you know, like at the time it was what I wanted for a certain reason, you know? And now revisiting it, I like it, but also with like the benefit of hindsight, if that makes sense. Like it, it is a big cartoony, um, goofy event in a lot of ways. Um, this time around, I think the thing that I appreciated less would be like the kind of the over the top, like grim, violent moments which i think like were really pervading dc at this time um in a pretty big way like that's pretty that's a hallmark of john's you know and that's all that's all here but at the same time i really like how gross a lot of the sinestro core and even some of the green lantern designs are you know kind of how weird and gross they get and i think like (laughs) That's an that's an aspect of DC Comics overall that is, is kind of missing a little bit. 
I think, these days. And I'd kind of like to see some more of that weirdness. And and so I, I do miss this era a lot for its just widespread weirdness. There were so many... Uh, and it was it was really nice to revisit that, I think, from an artistic perspective. Yeah, but, th- this was like a golden age of alien designs at DC. The Green Lantern books were just so full of interesting alien characters, whether it was Green Lantern Corps, which was a book really... I mean, think about it. Green Lantern Corps might be like one of the odder books to reach 50 or whatever issues it was pre-Flashpoint. It probably wasn't that much. It made it probably slightly less than that, but... No, just, I think it was. Was it? It made just, it. It made it to sixty-seven. I think. Wow. Again, why did I ever doubt you? Um, but it's a uh, like that book had very few humanoid characters in it. It w- it was mainly mainly aliens, and a lot of times very strange aliens. And I love that. I wish we had more of that at DC. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Closing thoughts. Um, I agree with most of what you guys have said. Pretty much everything. Um, I think Vince really hit it on the head. Um, yeah, I, I ultimately came away from this reading more positive than I expected to, um, but still kind of with, you know, I, I've kind of. I was going to say I've removed the the rose glasses. That's not true. They're still they're always going to be there, but <laughs> um I I see more of the cracks now, I think, and there there are things that bother me more now. Like like Vince mentioned with some of like the excessive violence and things and some of the grim dark stuff um and and you know the the wasted potential of some things, but it's also just I think probably the high point of the run. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think you guys summed it up very nicely. I think there are, there are some clear issues in the book or in the event rather. Um, but that doesn't mean it's, it's a bad event. I think it's a really good event. I think this, this represents in a lot of ways, the best of John's run because John's was at this point just like an idea machine. I mean, just look at, just again, look at this issue and how many things this issue influenced over the next two or three years at DC. He was an ideas machine. What he wasn't always so good at was executing those ideas. And so the reason that this issue is so well remembered by us, I think, is because it's before he somewhat botched some of this stuff. And so it's a really nice sort of high water mark to go out on. If you're talking about just like the pure gabagool before things got a little bit watered down, um, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate it. Next week, we'll be back with uh, our new comics roundup for um, for October and the first bit of November. If you have to get in touch with us, uh, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is uh, doing all he can to. No, I'm not even gonna say that one. That was too dark. I'm not gonna go there. 
Uh, we're in a, this is a dark week. I'm, I don't want to go any any darker than that. If you need to find Vince, he is sending positive thoughts into the universe, as he said earlier tonight before we started recording. So Vince is just being a beacon of positivity right now. Oh, man. I wish that were true. Make it true, buddy. Make it true. Make it so. All right, guys. Star Wars. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. If, if Halsey filed her teeth down to... Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> oh. oh, as a Twi'lek? Oh, oh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>